the two biggest world titles that you could win in jiu-jitsu, I won twice. I would say I've always had a love-hate relationship with competing. I never wrestled in high school, never wrestled in middle school, just wrestled in mat clubs all throughout my youth. I never did it for money. There was no money in it. Like it wasn't even a thought in my head back then. Right. You know, it was like, I'm going to do this and get rich off this. I can legit make someone quit. And I also fell in love with the idea of having a dojo, a gym, a mar you know, I fell in love with like tying my belt, putting yeah. knee on. I was like, you know, cool, like Superman yeah. put on his cape kind of thing. Hell you know yeah, what I'm saying? Like, I was yeah. like, that's what made me fell in love with it. And I remember at an early age when I said, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Along with that, I told myself, I want to master this. I want to open my own dojo and I want to become a world champion one day. Wow. And you hit all three. And I hit all three. That's awesome. I, you know, I'm super proud to say I hit all three, you know, three goals I set for myself when I was a kid. I'm Mikey Izzo and welcome back to the JMV Body Works podcast a conversation show where we talk to guests about cars, life, and everything in between. We have one of the deadliest men <laughs> in the world on today, the one, the only, the Westchester resident, JT Torres. What's up, brother? What's going on, guys? Appreciate you guys having me on the show tonight. Yeah, Thank you. Anytime. Sure. So I've been a longtime fan of yours Thank since you. I started jujitsu. I like uh, no gi more than gi because of a wrestling background. So I... Uh, I first got into it. I'm watching a bunch of videos. I didn't know that much about you, but I just was happened to watch happening to watch a video on you as I'm outside of chopped in yeah. rye waiting to get a salad. So my sister pulls up, I go inside and I go in and you're there. No way. And I was like, I don't know anything about this guy. I don't know if he's from here. And I, you know, it could this be like, I, I don't even know who you are. Right. So I still have it up on my phone. So I look at my sister. I'm like, yo, is this that guy? And she was like, no. And I'm <laughs> looking and I'm like, no, it's a thousand percent that guy. So I leave. I find out you're from Westchester and yep, everything. Yep. So uh, I want to dive into that first. Where are you from originally? Born and raised in New York, originally from the Bronx. So okay. I was born in the Bronx and I lived there until I was a kid. Where Ten, in the Bronx? Couldn't tell you exactly. Okay. I know I was born in the Lady of Mercy Hospital okay. and I went to PS, PS 103. All right. And then after fifth grade, we moved up to Rockland County, New York. Okay. Where? Congress. Okay. And then I was there until middle school, high school, after high school, did a little bit of community college and at RCC, Rockland Community College. Okay. And after that, I started bouncing around all over the country. All right. Yeah. And was your, your first like introduction into combat sports, was that wrestling? Actually, it was karate. So okay. I first started with karate in the Bronx. It was just like a random school. And I was like, I want to do that. So my parents put me in for a class. It was like a class or two that I tried. And after that, shortly after that's when we moved up to Rockland County. Okay. My cousin had moved up to Rockland County before we did. And he had started at a martial arts school in Congress. So I was like, I want to try that out. I want to do it. Um, and then I jumped in soon afterwards. And that's where I began my martial arts career in a karate school. First in the Bronx, but really in Rockland County. Am I mistaken? Are you a black belt in karate as well? I am a black belt in karate. That's yeah. Sick. Does yeah. that do yeah. anything for you? Yeah. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> do you still have the black belt? It's somewhere in my closet. Yeah. Okay. Somewhere in the closet. Was your first like um, grappling, was that wrestling or was that jujitsu? It was actually jujitsu. So funny story. My karate teacher was actually a blue belt in Brazilian jujitsu at the time. Whoa. So when was this? Like, uh, this was like early 2000s, I got to say. Okay. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Early 2000s has to be around that time. And he was like ahead of his time. I got to say he was a karate teacher who knew karate wasn't just the answer. Mm -hmm. Like he was actually fighting back then. It wasn't called MMA. It was NHB. No hold bar, bar. Right. Yeah. So he was all, in, you know, fighting and he was he was active, actively fighting. So he knew there was more to the game than just karate and standing in front of a mirror and doing katas and all that stuff. <laughs> so he told me early on, like, listen, we got to put you in different disciplines. Right. So he suggested to my parents to my dad, like, listen, we, there's a there's a mat club 
at at South High School, Clarkstown South yep. High School. He's like, sign him up. So I started wrestling at that mat club twice a week, I think, since I was a kid, since I was 10, 11. And I fell in love with wrestling. Like, I've always been a physical person. Like, ever since I was a kid, I would try baseball. So, you know, I'm Puerto Rican, Dominican, right? My grandfather on my mom's side, he's... Get he okay? Was, yeah, get okay. You already know. He was a he was a, actually like a semi-pro baseball player. Well, as they so, all are. Yeah, as every yeah. Dominican male is a yeah. semi-pro baseball right, player. Right, exactly. Now. So, he really, like... Uh, push like oh play baseball play baseball so what i'm trying to get to is that i tried little league i did try basketball and all that and was never too good at it but whenever it came around to just you know wrestling with my friends outside playing around i was always pretty good at it so i was always gravitated towards combat sports so when i started wrestling at the mat club i was like well i love this this is awesome really good um and i kept up with it and then at the same time my karate teacher was sprinkled a little bit of jujitsu and as he as much as he could he was a blue right. belt this is talking almost 30 years ago yeah, now rudimentary right stuff yeah but it gave me like a good foundation i could say and then um you know the story continues like this right so high school comes along by the time i go into high school where'd you go to high school clarkstown north okay i already had my black belt what year did in you karate. graduate 2007 okay 2007 yeah so by the time i, I go into high school the summer of going into high school I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I want to I want to play basketball. I want to try about I, I almost like a, I don't want to say I was done with martial arts, but I was like I want to try something new. Let's try to play basketball. I'm not that tall, as you guys can see. I'm 5 <laughs> foot 7, 5 foot 8 in a good day. Um I made it to the final rounds of like uh, uh of uh, tryouts. tryouts, right? And I got cut. And my dad was like, "Hey, why don't you go back to the martial arts studio and do something stay active, right?" And that's when I started really diving deeper into jiu-jitsu. So I already got my black belt in karate. Let me master something else, master something else, right? And then I started diving deeper into jiu-jitsu and fell in love, man. So you were not a varsity wrestler? I never wrestled in high school, never wrestled in middle school, just wrestled in mat clubs all throughout my youth. Did you get a good base of like, you know, how to keep your weight and body position? Like, did you get any benefit from that that translated or not really? 100%. Okay. 100%. The two biggest world titles that you could win in jiu-jitsu, I won ADCC twice, mm -hmm. 2017, 2019. If you go back and watch my matches, I out-wrestle everybody, yeah. Yeah. right? So, like, wrestling is a big part of my game. Like I said, I never wrestled formally in school, but I would always wrestle in these mat clubs in New York, New Jersey. During the summertime, I would wrestle with the kids that would come home from college. So my wrestling was always pretty solid, yeah. you know, and I would have coaches tell me, like, you would have made a really good wrestler if you would have gone down. Are you still hitting clubs like that? Like, are you going to NYAC or, like, the Edge in Jersey or anything like that? No, I'm not. You know, I'm just so busy now, you know, running my gym and, right. you know, doing everything that comes along with that. But I do have a really good coach under our roof at Essential. His name's John Marsh. He's been someone I've been I working with. in the with. videos. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. get a lot of working with that guy. Oh, yeah. He's a savage, man. So we run wrestling within our program, our jiu-jitsu program at our gym. So I'm always actively still working my takedowns, my stand up and all that stuff. So I does he, really quick, does he do your strength and conditioning too? He does. Okay. He yeah, does. He does. He's an absolute savage and himself, you know, being a wrestler, someone who spent time at the Olympic training center. Oh really? Yeah. He, he understands what you have to do to get stronger, get your cardio better for a grappler. Right. So once I started working with him, you know, it, it really made a huge difference in as far as conditioning and strength and all that stuff. Is there a big difference between wrestling for wrestling and wrestling for jujitsu? Big time, big time, huge difference. You know, I always give the example, like if I were to wrestle 
right now, if I were a wrestler or a, a really legit wrestler in a wrestling match, I would get my ass whooped, right? But if I were to wrestle them in the jiu-jitsu world, it'd be different, right? Because right. I can work the neck as they shoot in. I can work, you know, shoulder, you know, locks and stuff like that. And, or traps. Yeah, like that. exactly. All that good stuff. So when I sprinkle that in, it throws people off. And, you know, I have certain takedowns that, that work well for me um, that are unorthodox i guess when you, you can say when it comes to wrestling right another big thing that people overlook sometimes is that we're, we don't wear shoes right when right. we wrestle we wear wrestling shoes right when we wrestle with jiu-jitsu we're, we're barefoot so when someone shoots a single leg a double leg it's easier for us to slip the leg out so when we get a pure wrestler coming in to wrestle with us you know at, at the gym they're like shit it's so much harder to hit takedowns without shoes on yeah. and it's so true so i've wrestled in mat clubs but with the idea of getting my wrestling good for jujitsu. Right. Right. Always. So that's that's where it made the biggest difference for me. So when did you decide at what point in your journey with jujitsu did you decide or did you realize that shit, I kinda have something here. Like I need to take this seriously. Very early on. Really? Very early on. Like when I first like I would say around the age of fourteen, fifteen years old, around two thousand five is when I or two thousand four, somewhere around that time, it's when I started diving deep into jujitsu, right? And I and I fell in love with it. I was like, man, like this shit works, right? Like I was used to doing karate, like punching and kicking and all that stuff. And a little bit of, you know, wrestling too, which, which is awesome up to that point. When it came to jujitsu, it's super hands-on. And I remember hitting my first submission in a live role. I hit a triangle and the person was forced to tap. They tap like, I got to let go. I was like, damn, like that's crazy. I can you remember I, that moment. I remember that moment. I can legit make someone quit. Wow. Right? We're a lot in wrestling. Of power. Yeah, a lot of power. <laughs> wrestling gave me that same feel too. You can pin somebody down and all that too. But making someone tap with a choke, I was like, man, like this is wild. Right. Well, because you know, like the next step in pinning somebody is just like them flopping around. But yeah. The 100%. next step in that triangle yeah, is yeah, yeah, 100%. something a little different. 100%. So I, I, right away, I felt the power and the effectiveness of jujitsu. I'm like, this works. I need to learn more. How do, how do I do more? And I just, I fell in love. At that point, I'm like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. I don't know how, but I'm gonna do this for the rest of my so life. So what was the feeling that made you say, I wanna do it for the rest of my life? Was it the constant growth that jujitsu gives people who are jujitsu players, or was it, did you fall in love with competing? I would say I've always had a love-hate relationship with competing, right? Which I think is pretty normal. No, a lot of stress. Yeah, it's a lot of stress, man. It's a lot of stress. before wrestling. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a lot of stress. I would say what made me fall in love with it was just the, the idea of knowing that you can really control somebody submit them and i also fell in love with the idea of having a dojo a gym a mar you know i fell in love with like tying my belt putting yeah. you know i was like i don't know i felt like uh i don't know like a, club kind of yeah like, like you know cool. like superman yeah. put on his cape kind of thing you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. i was like that's what made me fell in love with it and i remember at an early age when i said i want to do this for the rest of my life along with that i told myself a few things i had th a couple goals i set on early on I want to master this and get my black belt in this. I want to open my own dojo and I want to become a world champion one day. Wow. And you hit all three. And I hit all three. That's awesome, I, You know, I'm dude. super proud to say I hit all three, you know, three goals I set for myself when I was a kid. So, um, yeah, that's what, that's what really made me fall in love with it. Those, those, those ideas that I set for myself early on. How long did it take you to get your black belt? Quick, man. Quick. I got, I started training jujitsu full blast. Where did 15. you start? Um, I started with the, the karate teacher in Congress, right? Now, Around that same time, my parents split, right? Which was a really rough time of my life, right? For anyone, right? Your parents split. I was 14 years old, so like, I know what's going on. I'm like, oh man, this sucks. 
So that also pushed me to dive deeper into jujitsu. I was like, I, you know, I want to keep my mind off of that. Parents fighting, not getting along, not good. More jujitsu. But the way life works out, my dad moves moves to New Jersey, mm -hmm. right? He moves to North uh, Bergen County, New Jersey. He lives in Lodi, and we arrange where every other weekend I go visit him, along with my brother and sister. And you know, it sucks, and it is what it is. But you know, something good came out of that. He goes, "Hey." Down a couple blocks away from my apartment, I saw a, a, a jiu-jitsu academy. Maybe we can go check it out when you come by this weekend. I said, oh, yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. When we went, there was a black belt running that academy, right. which, you know, up to that point, I've only seen a blue belt, a purple belt. And right. every once in a while, Hoist Gracie will come around to the karate school because my, really? my first karate wow. teacher was actually affiliated with Hoist. No way. Right? Wow. And that's who I got my blue belt from, actually. Hoist Gracie. What? Yeah, yeah. It was, it's pretty that's wild. Pretty yeah, yeah, it is. But up to that point, seeing uh, even a purple belt at that point was really rare, right? And, you know, today we got social media. We got the right. internet itself is just wild. It's just blowing everything up and connecting with people. Um, we didn't have that. I didn't have that around that time, right? I think, I don't even know if the Facebook was out or uh, not even Facebook, MySpace, I think I was on, yeah, right? Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't even know if it was Top around. Eight. Right? Yeah, AOL. Like, what I, was your I was, song? I, yeah, exactly, right? I was still looking for ringtones for my this phone. That's what the song was. <laughs> yeah. When I walked, in that, walked into the gym, there was a black belt, and his name was Louis Ventiloro, an American guy, which, again, another rare thing. Rare, you know, yeah. There was an American guy who was a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I was like, whoa. I was like. Like, who is this guy, you know? And I started training there on the weekends when I go visit my dad. And then my dad saw how how into it I was, right? How, how much I fell in love with it. So he committed to coming by New York, picking me up from Rockland, taking me over to the gym throughout the week. And I started training That's more and more. Yeah, he is, man. He is. And he, he committed to picking me up, you know, throughout the week, on the weekends, and taking me to the gym and then back to my mom's. And that's really where I started growing with my jiu-jitsu. The gym's called Performance Jiu-Jitsu. It's in Fairlawn, New Jersey, still there. Shout and um, yeah, you know, I got my my purple belt and my brown belt from Lou, Lou Ventiloro. Those belts came quick, right? So like you were asking me how long did it take me to get my black belt. So around the age of 15 is when I really committed to the jiu-jitsu path. And at 19 years old, I got my black belt. Oh. I got my black belt pretty quick, but which, you know, nowadays you, you're seeing a little bit more often people getting their black belts quick. I'm still one of the quickest, but nowadays, you know, the kids, the the resources they have are unbelievable. Right. Like I, I was still going to Barnes and Nobles and looking through grappling magazines and trying to memorize the techniques. Jiu-jitsu for dummies. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like this is these are the things I had to do. I was just obsessed, man. So anything I can get my hands on to study. I remember being in school like during a winter time, like a winter day like this. I'll have my jacket over my desk or over the back of my chair. I'd be working Camoros on the sleeves of my jacket and the Sick. teacher would be like, Hey, Mr. Torres, what are you doing? You know, like I was just obsessed with it. So every living moment I had to think about it, to drill it, to put my hands on it, I was on it, man. The speed that you excelled, do you think it was your work ethic? Cause you obviously have like a crazy work ethic. Yeah. But do you think there was a lot of natural talent involved? Like, what do you think? Yeah. You know, I, I think so. I think it was a combo of the two. Um, I do think I was a, a natural athlete, um, but I got to say, now that I run my own gym, I've I've seen people come and come and go. I built my gym off my competitive career, so naturally I, I attracted people. I right. attract people who who have the same ambitions 
or, 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 or have the same goals that I have, right? Exactly. And I've had a lot, of, a lot of young potential walking through the door who are very athletic, you know, fast, strong, whatever you want to call it. But when it came down to grind, some people are just not willing to grind like I grind, you know? So right. I think the, the, the biggest thing I got to give it up to, which is my work ethic, man. Like I was willing to grind, grind, grind. I got to say, like, I never did it for money. There was no money in it. Like, it wasn't even a thought in my head back then. Right. You know, it was like, I'm going to do this and get rich off this. I'm going to do this and make tons of money. I didn't even think about it at all. Like, that's how crazy I was about it in the beginning. I'm still crazy about it, but I'm older now. I know I got to pay taxes and bills and this <laughs> and that. You Tax, know what I'm saying? Taxes. So, um, yeah, in the beginning, it was just, you know, 100% drive and my work ethic that really pushed me to that next level, I feel. So, if you wouldn't mind for the viewers, yeah. people who aren't yeah. in jiu-jitsu, explaining a little bit about that top tier level of competition so you, you yeah, mentioned what is ADCC. adcc right you know adcc i would say is the the olympics of the grappling world the submission grappling world jiu-jitsu world it's um it's an event that only happens every two years you can only be invited or you got to win the trials so to get there it's the best of the best so, and, oh, so they invite a handful of people and then the rest of the spots are bracket tournament exactly okay. exactly i think i want to say it's half and half so like half of the bracket it's people who are invited and the other half are people who won the trials all around the world and the people that they invite are usually people who have won trials in the past people who have placed at the world championships or people who had just really good performances or sometimes they'll try to invite someone who's outside of the realm of jiu-jitsu who would put a good showing so um, you know, sometimes I remember one year I, I competed, they invited Benson Henderson, who uh, okay, at one yeah, point yeah. the UFC champ, yeah. solid wrestler, explosive, and, champ, whatever. yeah, you know, so sometimes they'll invite guys like that too, which makes sense, you know, we'll bring more eyes yeah, to, more the, to, to the event, like, oh, you know, like MMA fans will come watch. How did he do? I think he did pretty well, actually. He put on a good, he put on a good match. I think he, he ended up losing second round or first round, I one of the two, but it was a good match. He fought, I remember Octavio Souza, who... Who's a Gi World Champion, not ADCC World Champion? He had, Octavio was actually a silver medalist at ADCC, and it was a scrap. It was yeah. a really good scrap, actually. Impressive. But um, yeah, so sometimes they'll bring people in like that. I, I think last time, the last ADCC, they were trying to invite Bo Nickel. That's okay. what I heard. That's what I heard. I'm That's not sure cool. if it's really true or not, but I know, you know. And how did you get invited the first time, or how did you get involved the first time? It was a good story, actually. The first time I got invited, I never won the trials, okay. right? But I did compete in trials. So this was this has to be like around 2009, I think. And they had the East Coast trials in New Jersey. And I can, you know, I signed up for the trials. And I remember I'm like four or five matches deep into the trial. Sometimes, you know, you, you, it's a huge bracket. So I'm like four or five matches into it. And I know I get to the semifinals. But the match that I had in the quarterfinals to get to the semifinals was a scrap. Was a scrap. Like, I, I remember if I'm Drained not mistaken. batteries. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. If I, if I remember correctly, the guy that I competed in that quarterfinal match was a D2 national champion college wrestling, wow. right? So and he was he was freaking tough, right? But again, this is where my Matt Club experience comes into play. I was able to hang with him on the feet. But anyways, I don't remember his name. I can look it up, but he was mean, mean, right? And going into that tournament, I had a little bit of cauliflower. Like it was flirt- He did or you did? I did. Okay. And it was flaring up just a little bit, right? It was it was soft, but it wasn't too bad. This dude just clubbed the shit out of my, my head for like 10, 15 minutes. Boom, boom, Dirty. boom, boom. We were scrapping. But I won. I think I won with a takedown. And then afterwards, 
I won the match. I walk off the, 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 the mat and I walk towards my corner to get water, you know, whatever. And I can just see everyone not making eye contact with me, but making eye contact with my ear, like looking past my head. It was that bad. It was that bad. Yeah. I'm like, what? And they're like, your ear, your ear is pretty fucked up right now. Oh, I'm like, what? Shit. So it, it was huge. It was huge. It was, it was so bad that even till this day, if you Google JT Torres ear, like it, comes it right would up. pop up. Yeah, ah. it would pop up. Yeah. So the ear was humongous. And it was it was so bad that, I mean, it, it went past my ear where I had some fill up like in my, I don't know, the temple, but like right by my hairline here. Oh, really? Yeah, it was pretty wild. But I don't care. You know, I'm, I'm trying to fucking win this trial and go to ADCC. Like, yeah. you know, I'm, I don't know how old I was then. Did you whip the headband out? I was down to do that, right? But this is where this is where it gets funny. I walk off the mat. They're like, uh, you know, we, we need to get this drained. And, like, uh, I go to the ref's table. I'm like, hey, do you guys have anyone that can drain? They're like, oh, yeah, go see the medic. So I go to see the medic. And this guy that was working the event, had he had no idea what the hell jiu-jitsu was. Like, he just got hired to be there at the event because they needed right. someone to be there. So he looks at my ear. And he's, like, all freaked out. He's like, oh, how do you do that? I'm like, oh, well, you usually take a syringe, you stick it in, and you pull out the fluid, right? So we go into the – he goes, all right, let's go into the locker room. So we go into the locker room to try to drain my ear, and this guy, for some reason, could not drain my ear. Could not do it. And I've drained my ears before then. So I told him, give me the needle. I'll do it. Right. And he was like, I can't do that. I can't permit that on my watch. I do it all the time. I, I'm yeah. like, I've done this a million times. He's like, I can't let you do that. I was like, okay, so what do we do? He's like, um, I said, listen, I'll put headgear on. I'll tape it up. He goes, no, no, no. The blood, or it seems like the blood or whatever it is is going towards your your head, whatever it is. I, I don't want to mess with that. You have to go to the emergency room. I'm like, no, I'm just going to tape it up. He goes, I'm, dis I'm medically disqualifying you from what? the event. So he did not let me continue. And like the event, the people running the event, the refs, whoever was in charge at the time was like, yeah, we – I mean, we can't go against the, the medic or the doctor. It's like, you, sorry, JT. So I was like, damn, man, that sucks, right? So it is what it is. You know, I didn't even go to the hospital. I went home and my mom did it for me. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Jesus, man. Like, this guy could That's really, all it was, yeah. Yeah, you know? So it is what it is, you know? So then fast forward for the actual ADCC event, it was in Nottingham, England, 2011. And... I think someone dropped out of the division, injury or whatever it is. So they were looking for a last minute replacement. So they hit me up. They're looking, oh, wow. we're, we're looking for a last minute replacement. You put on a really good showing. Sick. You know, we would like to have you at the event if you're available. It's in two weeks. I'm, you know, I would never, especially at that time in my life, never pass up an opportunity. Yeah, and even up to that, yeah. And at that time, still like I am today, dude, I'm ready to go. All year round. Yeah, like, that's important. I'm, I'm training, yeah. training, training, training. Especially then, I was 18, 19, whatever, you know, young. I was a machine. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I go to Nottingham, England, and I compete in my first ADCC World Championship, 2011. I uh, I win my first match. I beat this guy named Clark Gracie. Gracie, right? It was yeah. pretty cool. It was like, yeah, you know, yeah, I got one. Yeah. Then my second match, I lose. One down, two. 50 to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then my second match, I, I lose the second match on not knowing the rules. So there's, uh, you know, in the rule set, half of the match, there's no points. Okay. The second half of the match, there's points kick in, right? But one of the things that scores a negative point is pulling guard. So I pulled guard in the second half of the match, not realizing that I couldn't do it, so I lost a negative. I, put, I got a negative on my side of the scoreboard. Match goes on. The guy that I competed against in that match was this guy named Leo Vera. He is a world champion. 
ACC world champion. So he's experienced. He knows what he's doing. So I gave him an easy Christmas gift there. He was <laughs> like, ah, oh, I know this guy, pull guard. He did what he had to do. He's What's his first name? Leo. Okay. Leo Vero. Sick grappler. Like, love. I actually grew up watching him. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. So, so sick. Competing against him, it was like one of my weird. idols. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a dream. But I went after him. I tried to kill him, right? He ended up winning by my negative point on my side of the and scoreboard. And they do that just to kind of keep the pace going. They don't want you pulling guard and slowing, slowing the thing down. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. So that's what ended up happening. And then after that, I kept competing. Um, and then the same thing happened. It happens every two years. 2013 in China. It was in Beijing, China. Same thing happens. Um, for some reason, I didn't do the trials that, you know, in between those two world championships. I don't know what happened. I couldn't do it or I don't remember why. But 2013 in China, same thing happens. Someone you know, falls out of the bracket, whatever, and they hit me up. Hey, can you come out? This and that. I'm like, yeah, I'm ready, man. <laughs> and I ended up getting bronze medal that year. Okay. So, I, so, you know. Then you're in. Then you're in. The people who who place on the podium get invited back in for the next one. So I kept building up, building up, building up. 2015 comes around. It's it's the one going down in Brazil. That one and this was is your Bra third. That is my third ADC. Supposed to be my third ADCC, right? Real quick. Yeah. ADCC in Brazil must have been bonkers bonkers crazy is it? well i've competed in brazil before is there that. some like non-traditional beef with that or not really um yeah of course okay, okay. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know like um there there was a before then it was uh 2011 i competed in brazil right and i competed in brazil at this place called tijuca tennis club in rio hmm. and i rem it was the brazilian national championships we were at the venue where they used to hold the world championships but a few years before that, they moved the world championships to America because it just started blowing up. You know, they knew it was the right move to bring it to the States, but they saw the Brazilian nationals. Brazilian nationals, of course, are still going to be in Brazil. So I went down. I always wanted to compete in Brazil as a black belt. It was one of my goals. And I'll get back to the ACC story. But yeah. when I went down to Brazil to compete in this event, I was on fire, on fire, man. I remember I submitted everybody up to the finals, everybody, right? Now, Tijuca Tennis Club it's uh not a huge venue but they got like concrete almost like steps where people sit on and then around the mat side it's a, it's a tennis club so it's where they play tennis so where they have the court blocked off it's like metal barricades right and i always remember watching the world championships take place and the brazilians will always pound the metal barricades like they're playing the drums bah, 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 bah. and the energy in the room which just looked insane right so 2011, I make it to the finals of Brazilian Nationals, and the whole venue goes into this one corner because they put all the final matches on one mat. So the whole venue's here. Fuck. Right? Of course, I'm Puerto Rican, Dominican. I can I pass as Brazilian, but they know <laughs> at this point that I'm a gringo, right? I'm a gringo. I'm coming from America. the threat. Yeah. yeah, I'm a gringo. So they know I'm not Brazilian. But they you start, speak Spanish. I speak Spanish. Yeah, okay. I, I can hold my own. It's not perfect, but I can hold my own. I, I, you I speak actually, Portuguese. I actually started working my Portuguese. I, I fell off of it, but I can still speak a little bit, understand a little by. bit. Yeah, I can yeah. get by. All right. But they start pounding the metal barricade. And I'm like telling myself, "Oh shit!" It's like all those matches I used to watch, like coming up as a blue belt, white belt, like watching the matches. I used to get all the DVDs. That's what I had DVDs or. Um, yeah, it was DVDs. I used to watch all the matches back in the you know when I was a white belt, blue belt, and I was like. Now I'm here and you know what I used to watch on those on those videos. I'm in that You're moment right now. Right. And they're like chanting Brazil, Brazil. Wow. I'm like, oh shit, here we go. Ended up losing the match, but I actually lost the match to Gilbert Burns. 
Okay. What? Yeah, it was Gilbert Burns that fought in the finals, right? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And Dilbert. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, all respect to Gilbert. I like Gilbert he's a, a lot. He's a striker now. Yeah, he's a striker now. But he knew. He saw I was on fire. I submitted everybody up to that point. He, uh, I, I'm not sure how familiar you guys are with like positions in jiu-jitsu, yeah. but he pulled me into 50-50 okay. the whole match. And the whole match we, we spent in 50-50, which I think is what is hurting gi jiu-jitsu nowadays, right? Position. What's 50-50? Is that 50, like North 50, South kind of a deal? Um, it's basically like, let's say you put your right leg over the top of my right leg and I lock a figure four and then you lock a figure four. Okay. Uh, so you're like, like we're stuck. feet fighting. fighting. Yeah. It, exactly. Yeah. And gi, Was that popular then? When you want to slow somebody down and, and okay. try to uh, avoid yeah. them from doing anything crazy, yeah. But like leg locks weren't as popular. And well, like I mean, you could, you can't heel hook in the gi, okay? Right, so you could try to foot lock, toe hold, but in a stage like that in the finals, I'm not tapping to that, right? You know what I'm saying? Like I'm gonna defend, I'm gonna eat. Are you walking over one leg? Yeah, yeah. Hey, like I don't care. Break that shit. Yeah, so he pulled, and then you know it was like we were stuck there. He ended up winning, uh, two zero or something like that, you know. But it was really cool to. Uh, be in that moment though. Right? Hell yeah. So then fast forward a couple years, ADCC is in Brazil. And I get invited, obviously. I, you know, made it to the podium in China, get invited, and then I tear my uh, meniscus leading okay. up to that tournament, right? I have someone kind of just land on my knee, hyperextended, and I, I'm still training through it. Like my game plan, I'm, I'm still going to go. I don't care. So I'm still training, still training. And for ADCC, we try to do like an eight week camp like two months, right? So I do about three quarters of the camp and it got so bad towards the end, like three weeks out that whenever someone would push my heel towards the back of my thigh, my knee would lock <sighs> and it was just started getting really bad. And I remember one day I'm just like, what the hell am I doing? My leg will get stuck for like 20, 30 minutes. I had to shake it out, you know? Jesus. So I was like, oh man, I gotta be realistic here. So I gotta go see a doctor. Again, I never did jujitsu for the money, right? I'm broke, dead broke, right? So I'm still under my mom's health insurance at this point. So I go to a doctor and he's like, yeah, listen, man, like your meniscus is torn, but it could, you could also have some damage to your ACL. And if you keep training and if you really go compete, you could probably do more damage to your knee. And I'm like, all right, shoot, man. Like, damn, that's not good. And he's like, I advise you do surgery ASAP. And he goes, we can do surgery on this date. The date fell after my birthday. So at that point I was going to turn 26, I think. And at that point, how old are you now? I'm 34 now. Okay. I was going to get kicked off my mom's health insurance. I think when I turned 20, something like that. Right? Okay. Wow. Right. So I tell Time the doctor, prices. I'm like, I'm like, doc, listen, man, like I, I'm under my mom's health insurance. Can you get me in before September 2nd, which is my birthday? And I explained to him why this thing he's like, all right, I got you. Wow. So he scheduled me earlier. That's huge. Yeah. He helped me out, man. He did me a solid, but I had to pull out of ADC 2015. Okay. Yeah. And I remember, um, when I, when I reached out to the ADC organization to let them know, like, hey, I got to pull out, I'm hurt. I'm sure they hear this all the time, like people pulling out because of injuries, whatever, but maybe they're just BSing, right? And they're like, all right, try to be more professional next time. I'm like, damn, man, like, I'm really hurt. Like, I'm not lying here, you know? Um, yeah, wow. they're, they, don't mess around, off, man. They're, they're messing, they don't mess around, but you know, it was legitimate. Like I had knee surgery and you know, people saw at, at, you know, that I had knee surgery. So they invited me back for 2017. Oh yeah. Huge. So they brought me back. But when they brought me back for 2017, that's when I had just, so I kind of skipped part of the, my story there, but I, at that point I was living in California. Okay. So at that point I had moved back to New York 
to open up. Where were you in San Diego? San Diego. Eight, uh, eight at Autos, okay. yeah, with Andre Galvao. Uh-huh. So at that point, 2017, I moved back to New York to open up my own academy. During my time out from knee surgery, you know, I came to a realization. I'm like, if I get hurt, how am I going to live? Like, how am I going to, you know, make money? How am I going to eat? I had, you know, I started thinking about these things. Now I was getting a little bit older. I was like, I got to open my own academy. I got to start, you know, building a business of my own and, you know, kind of planting my roots somewhere and plant my own flag. So I made the decision to move back to New York and open my own academy. This is 16? Around 2016, yeah. Okay. And I remember when That's I... That's when I just started. Yeah? Yeah, and I'm looking up places in your thing. Yeah. Had popped up, so keep nice. going. Yeah, yeah Hartsdale. So, yep. so I was actually going to another place in Hartsdale. Really? Yeah, it was called uh, 914 Krav Maga. Right down the street. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I opened up the... I, I moved back to New York to open up the gym, and I had just opened up the gym. And in the beginning, like any business, it's a grind, right? And it's, it's always going to be a grind, but in the beginning, it was a real grind because I was doing everything. I was teaching every class. I was cleaning. I was doing laundry. I was doing right. everything in the beginning, and I got the invite for ADCC 2017. Shit. And How am I going to do all this shit? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I remember talking to my wife about it. I'm like, what do you think? She was like, listen, just accept it and do your best. Do what you can. And I said, okay. So – I, you know, I did it, and that's when I linked up with John Marsh, right, who who ended up being my strength conditioning coach right. and my wrestling coach. He was up the street for me. Where did he wrestle? He wrestled at a, he wrestled at a school called Bridgewater. Okay, out, yeah, yeah, yeah. Out, I think it's PA or something like that. Yeah. He was actually a, a personal trainer at the gym Total Form Fitness. I don't know if you remember that gym. It was up the block from my gym. Okay, I don't remember. So right. all, our, all these gyms that you trained at, where I was teaching, where he was te- uh, running uh, – you know, training clients out of was all on the same block, right? Okay. We're, we're all meant to connect one day, right? That's yeah, it, 100%. That's it. So we linked up and we started training, working out. Um, I started arranging my training camp for ADCC based off what I had, you know, the few students that I had, a couple blue belts and purple belts. And I basically did a lot of shark tanks, which means I stay in the middle yeah. and people just rotate on me, right? So you didn't, you, you weren't like flying people in. I mean, not, no. not flying them, but you, so you were just making do with, yeah. You we're, were just getting beat up. You were just getting, getting beat up. Getting beat up, man. Exactly. Tag teamed. Yep, wow. Yep, exactly. That's crazy. Exactly. And Did you pop into the city to these, you know? Nope. Did it all on my own. Was that like a like a sketchy thing to do? Is there like a little espionage going down if you went to like, you know, Danaher or, or I, you know, I think Marcellos? So. Yeah. yeah. I, I think so. Yeah. Especially at that point because like at Henzo's, like when the whole Danaher death squad was still in New York City. Like Gary Tony was a big competitor, competitor of mine, so okay. he was training. So I know they were gonna let me come train. Uh, Marcelo, um, at that time, I think he had someone in my division too. Yeah, he had some of his students in my division, so I knew that was a no go. Yeah. And then flying back to San Diego to train, which is not out of happening question because yeah. I had to run the business and teach classes. So I did it all. Wow, my own. you made yeah. something out of nothing, man. Yeah, and I remember, man, it was such a grind um, that I remember going to sleep and just like. Saying like God, please let let this be worth it because th- this is a, a fucking grind, man. Yeah. Like it hurts. Like my body hurts. I'm dead tired. Stress the shit. Yeah, man. So I go to Finland. It's in Finland this year in 2017. Mm-hmm. So I go to Finland. And I remember telling myself before every single match, I don't know what's gonna happen, but all I know is I'm gonna go out there and fight as hard as I fucking can. That's what I kept telling myself over and over and over. It became again. your mantra. Yeah, yeah, man. And listen. Uh, I think that's when I've had my best performances when I don't put that pressure on myself like oh I gotta win I gotta win I gotta win I just tell myself I don't know what's gonna happen but I do know one thing I'm gonna go out there I'm gonna fucking scrap 
hard, right? So I went out there and fought every match super, super hard, that. man. Yeah. And I ended up winning. I ended up winning. And in the finals, wow. kind of like a like a almost like a fairy tale story, right? If you want to call it that. In the finals, I fight this guy named Lucas Lepre. Mm-hmm. Lucas Lepre is a legend in the sport. He's like a, a, a He's six- the guy with the like the patch of hair that's like a different color, is that who that is? No, no, no. Who, are you talking? Uh, I think I know who you're talking about. I think I know who you're talking about. Uh, he's interesting looking, if I remember. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Maybe not. No, no, so no. You're in the finals. You're in the yeah. finals. <laughs> <laughs> he's got, he's got kind of cool hair, actually, Lucas. He's got like wavy hair, you know. All right, all right. But we make it to the finals, and it was a tough match, man. It was a very tough match, and I beat him. I beat him. I remember we went. It was like a 30 minute match. We went overtime, and it was just a grind of a match, and I ended up winning. But, you know, a few years before that, I made it to the finals of the Gi World Championships. Okay. Right? And this was uh, 2014. When I made it to the Gi Finals of the Worlds, I remember walking out to the final match. They call you out. All right, Jonathan Torres. Which, by, you know, my real name. Everyone yeah. just calls me JT. But Jonathan Torres, come out. Boom. They call me out. I'm like, shitting my For the pants. finals? For the finals. That's how they do it in the finals? Mat four. Uh, well, it's one big. They put all. The, they put one big mat. So but they like call a, you like that informal kind of. Yeah, yeah, wow, yeah. They that's call crazy. you step out this and that. So I walk out. I remember just like shitting my pants. And prior to this moment, I had beat. I, I beat Lucas before. I submitted him in Brazil. Like I, you know, I, so I got him. this. I know. I had he I, beaten you. He had beaten me too. But okay. I beat him too. Right. So it's so like it's a horse race. Yeah. Yeah. We step out into the finals, and I just freeze. Oh. Beats my ass. No way. He beats my ass, right? He beats my ass, I think, 14 to 0. Oh, God. And I walk away devastated. I'm like, you know, what happened there? Like, what happened, man? Like, up to that point, we've always had close matches. I actually submitted him before. Like, I know I can beat this guy. He's a legend of the sport. He's like a six time, seven time world champion in the gi. I'm like, what, what, what the hell happened there, right? And. I had to look in the mirror and, and realize that I, I wasn't there mentally. Right? Okay. It's just because the mental game is a huge part of the yeah. combat sport realm. And right? more than, world, more right? than any other sport. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So I wasn't ready for the moment. And it made me dive deep into, you know, working on my mind and my confidence. Sports and, psychology. Yeah. 100%. Fast forward a few years later, we see each other in the finals of Finland, in the finals of the ADCC World Championships. And I was ready. I was ready, man. And I ended wow. up winning my, my first. ADCC world title against a legend. Is like that the, the year that you went for a single and then he went for the Kimura trap and then you got behind? That's 2019, actually. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You, you've been studying my match. Just a man. little bit. I like it, Just man. That's bit. 2019. That's another good story, too. Yeah, I want to hear that one. Um, in that match, in 2017 against Lucas, I shot a single. We scrambled out to um, towards, the, towards the outer edge of the mat. In ADCC, you don't stop. Even if you go into the bleachers you keep going until the ref stops Sick. stops you guys like right? so you keep going keep going keep going i let off my i let off the the gas pedal just a little bit just a little bit and he spun out to my back right <sighs> so we they walk us back into the center of the mat and he's he has his hands around my waist and i'm like shit man like i can't lose this man i can't lose this here this is my world title right in adcc there's a rule that you have to wait three seconds in that position before you can roll towards your back. Okay. Right? So if I were to roll straight to my back, it would have counted as a takedown for him. Wow. Right? So Andre Gavao's in my corner, who's very experienced with an ADCC uh, rule set and all that. So he tells me, JT, 
don't don't scramble out yet. Don't roll yet. Just be aware of your the back. Protect the hooks. I'm hand fighting, protecting, protecting. Then he tells me, spin to your back. I spin to my back, and I scramble back up to my two feet, and I ended up taking him down or Shit. shooting a swoop single, getting out to his back, scoring my points off a of back take. I got my two hooks in and ended up winning. So experience plays a huge part in winning a tournament like ADCC because the rules are difficult to understand sometimes. But when you have that experience, yeah, you like have you're hand fighting, and then you're thinking, okay, I have to count to three yeah, before I can do this. Exactly. And then you're trying to yeah, focus. You need a good coach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You need that's a good coach insane. in your corner too who understands the rules. You must have no ADD because <laughs> I have ADD, he has ADD, and I think all the time, like, that's too much focus for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, man. You got you to gotta be locked in. It's funny, though. I can only get focused and locked in with – with jiu-jitsu though gotta lock in it's nothing tough. else dude it's so <laughs> tough for me to do anything else like if i sit down and try to read a book i'm like uh. <laughs> you know, like i start looking up youtube videos on jiu-jitsu yeah. or whatever like it's hard for me to focus on anything else but yeah that was that was how i came about winning my first adcc world title that's amazing and you know what made it even that much better was that i did it I don't want to say on my own because obviously I had, you know, people in my corner, even the guys out in San Diego still supported me and sending right. me advice and stuff like that. But really bare bones, like yeah. no resources, yeah. no yeah. help. Yeah. Yeah. But what really what really helped me push myself too was also thinking that um, it's more than just about me now. Right. Where prior to that, I was always just uh, a member of a team. Right. Yeah, Where now, now I'm a gym owner. Yeah, I have my own team. I have my own academy. I have a, yeah. a, a group of people I want to inspire. Hell yeah! So when I went out there, I fought that much harder because of that. That's so big ups to your wife who was supporting you. Yeah, hundred percent, awesome, man, hundred percent. And you know, it, it it that played a role in it too, and also motivation, man. I remember when I announced that I was leaving San Diego to move to New York to open my own gym. People, you know, the internet always has something to say. They're the worst, dude. Always has something to say. They're Positive. But mostly negative a lot, right? Yeah. People oh, love don't even, those people aren't even real people. No, no. Those people are trolls. Yeah, they, they really are. 100%. But I remember people talking like, oh, man, wrong decision. JT Torres' competitive career is over. <laughs> over. I remember reading that. Someone said, your competitive career is over. Just pack it up. Wow. I was like, All right, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Next year, what do I do? I win the biggest tournament there is in the world. That's so yeah, sick. Find dude. that guy. Yeah, you yeah, come yeah. see me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I got something for you. Exactly. Exactly. Dude, that's incredible. I, I honestly like just hearing that story. Like, I, I a lot of times in my life have gotten into something and then not had that drive to yeah. finish out. And so I just like like to commend you and give you all the respect in the world Thanks, because. Man. Uh, we talked about this on the phone. Jiu-Jitsu is the perfect analogy for when you're good, there's somebody better. 100%. And, like, to, to be sitting here next to you and, like, hear that story, it's so incredibly inspiring. Thank you, man. And, like, it's, it's, it's just – it's fucking sick. How often now are you, you rolling around with someone and you're like, this guy just worked me? Uh, not too often. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> is, there, yeah. is there someone you can go and see and you know you're like – yeah, you know, who, who's not, you know, obviously there's bigger guys. Yeah, so I'm yeah, sure that's, I, you know, not to sound cocky or whatever it is, but I always, like I told you guys earlier, I'm always training. Yeah. Like I'm always training. That's like a I'm, huge, that's yeah, a huge positive. I'm, I'm at this point in my life. Um, I'm 34. I'll be 35 this September. year. Right. Yeah. I guess you can consider me old for a combat athlete. Right. But yeah, I'm still doing my thing. But what I'm trying to say is that my goal nowadays is to just to improve. Okay. Always improve. Right. So people have goals like, I want to win this, I want to win that, which at certain times of your life, you should have those goals, right? Now, at this point in my life, my goal is to improve and keep getting better 
stay active, stay in shape. One, so I can teach my students better. Two, so I can train with them. And three, so I can still kick some ass. Are you a competitor or a coach right now? That's a really good question, man. I'm going to fork in the road right now where my gym is growing. It's growing. So we moved from Hartsdale, right? We have right. a small location so there. It's a beautiful state-of-the-art, yeah. oh, sick new yeah. spot. I've seen Thank some you. photos. Thank yeah, you. yeah, almost 10,000 10, square feet now. Wow. We have big programs all across the board, you know, from the kids to the adults. And now we're, we're, we're at a point where I'm seven years into running my gym, right? So there's some kids that have been with me since the beginning. So now they're at a point where... Man, these kids are killing it. They're crushing it, man. These I have kids flying around the world competing now. You must be proud. I'm super proud, man. Super proud. So now I'm starting to see that my role of a coach as a professor, you know, whatever you want to call it, is really coming to play. I, I, Did you coach PJ Duke? I, you know, he he uh he used to come by when he was younger to do jujitsu. Okay, yeah, he he went to my old wrestling club. Oh, so. really? Yeah, Empire. He, yeah, yeah. He actually came by a couple weeks ago. Okay, and he's definitely different from when I trained with him when he was a kid. Kid. Now he's like 16, 17, getting ready to go to Penn State. Yeah, and yeah, he's savage a man, yeah. savage. Yeah. But uh, I used to help him out with jujitsu a little bit. Okay. I did. He he came by a couple times. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. Right, I'm gonna go home. Um, so, one thing that I deal with in my life is we talk about this mix of passion and profession. Yep. And I mix my two those two things. Yep. My passion is for cars, and it's yep. also our profession. Cool. So you were passionate about jujitsu and a competitor and yeah. then you turned it into a profession yeah what has that been like for you and have you seen like we talked a little bit about burnout on the phone have you oh, seen yeah. any burnout and like how do you combat that so three three kind of separate and questions. Are, you, are you compromising your passion to make it your profession at all i don't feel like i'm compromising it at all just because i'm doing what i love to do as far as coaching teaching and training all at the same time right um i am very lucky though to have so my wife helps me run the gym so she is the mastermind, if you will, behind the business side of things, right? Okay. Obviously, I'm involved, but she's the boss. She's the boss, man. She's I get the it. boss. I get it. Brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm the boss of the match, though, right? So, which allows me not to compromise my passion, right? Where if I had, so you a, could be the artist, exactly, and she can be the it, business person, exactly. So, That's cool. Yeah, I, you know, and I had really good advice when I first set out to open my business. Someone gave me a, a good piece of advice. They told me, "Don't be afraid." to bring people on because you need a good team around you. You can't do everything by yourself. It's tough to let go to control. And it's tough to let go, right? But little by little, I built a really good team around me, which allows me to do what I love to do, right? Um, which is jujitsu, teaching, training, and coaching. So I'm still doing what I love to do. So um, running the gym hasn't compromised that. And that's because I have a good team around me. As far as burnout, um, burnout is definitely a real thing, man. It's a real thing. People always say, I train every day five times a day, all year round, bullshit. Impossible. Yeah. You can't do it. You can't do it. Um, I heard a really good quote, like rest is part of the equation of success, right? Mm -hmm. You got to get that rest in. And it was a hard lesson for me to learn. I remember 19, 20 year old JT would never rest, would never rest. And I would never even dare of thinking of resting, right? And if I did rest, I felt like a bitch. <laughs> I will have these like inner conversations with myself. Like you're, I'm going to be resting all the time now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like you're, you're I'm going to do nothing but sleep. Yeah. <laughs> you're a bitch, man. You're a bitch. But David Goggins style. Yeah. Yeah. But if I think back to that time, I was constantly sick and injured. 
Mm. But, you know, being 19 years old, you can push through that kind of Hell stuff yeah. and bounce back and, you know, work through certain injuries. As I got older, I started realizing, man, like, you got to rest. You got to have a good balance of it. I, I learned that from Andrew Gabal. When I moved to San Diego just to train jiu-jitsu, he would have his schedule set up where midweek he would have, like, an active rest day, Sweet. which was new to me. Up to that point, I trained Monday through Saturday. Sunday, I would maybe chill for a little bit and then get right back to the mats on Monday. But you'd run or you'd lift. Yeah, yeah. Ex exactly, right? And he had it set up where midweek was like an active rest day. And I was like, what's going on? But I understood it because you could train better by resting, right? 100%. So, for example, we would train hard on a Tuesday, have an active rest on a Wednesday. I would come back and be able to train hard on a Thursday. So it made a lot of sense to me. I'm like, you can get more out of your training if you throw a little bit of rest in there. If you're just training, pushing straight through, two three two three days in, you're training like dog shit. You know, like you're not even getting good reps in. Probably your 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 techniques probably off because you're feeling lazy, you're tired. But when you throw some rest in there, it makes a uh, you know it makes a huge difference. So burnout's real, man. And I've definitely have had burnout myself. I will never forget. There was one tournament I made it to the finals of. It was Nogi Worlds. Made it to the finals and I lost in a really, you know sus referee call right and i remember thinking to myself like i worked so hard to get to this point and a ref can just screw me over like this i said fuck this shit man i'm done i'm done like i hate this i hate this and i knew i was just burnt out man like just training 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 no rest and then you have like a heartbreak like that it just it sets you off to the wrong path and i took a little bit of time off and when i say time off it was like Three days, a week, yeah, four days, yeah. a week, you know, <laughs> then, you know, and then I was right back to it. But um, I've definitely had my moments of burnout, um, but I always make sure to give myself that me time too. Yeah, you you need that me time, not just physically, but more importantly, uh, mentally too. Yeah, right. You need some. You need to just get away. You gotta mix in the water, man. Yeah, exactly, man. Not think about anything. Send the sauna for a little That's bit. That's it. Know, just chill out, relax. Um, try to read a book. I can't read a book, but try <laughs> yeah, to. Somebody else can. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I know we both have like a thousand more questions yeah. for you. I got, I got three rapid fire ones that I kind of want to hit you with, and then I want to do a quick segue. So, sure. um, who's got the best jujitsu, America or Brazil? Who is it? Ooh, really good question. Rapid. So, I, okay, can I yeah, break rapid. it up in two different things? Sure. America, actually, America, man. America. All right, USA yeah. baby. What UFC fighters have you trained with? Dominic Cruz. Uh, Gilbert Burns. I know there's a few more in there. Randy Brown. Randy okay. Brown's been coming down to my gym. He just had a vicious knockout the other day. Any oh. celebrities that I've trained with? No, I don't think so. He's Not a yet. celebrity, man. <laughs> He's a celebrity. And the third one? No. I'm, I'm losing. I had the third one. It was the best what's one. Your what's your favorite car? <laughs> my favorite car? I'm a huge fan of the M3s. Sweet. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. You get the second what, um, Yeah, yeah. So I was, it was kind of like going towards that way. So like I know you're kind of like uh you have a lot of interests outside yeah. of jujitsu. Like I know yeah. I've seen your little like fashion page you kind of yeah, got yeah. going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're into the streetwear. Yeah. I see like yeah. your, all your merch is very uh, thank you streetwear inspired. I saw that that, that palace looking. Uh, thank, thank you, you thank you. Likewise. The palace looking hoodie. Yeah, that's a, that's a cool almost like supreme portrait type. Yeah, look. yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, this is actually the old gym, Hartsdale gym. Sick. The stairs up to the gym. Where did you kind of pick that up and and and. Uh, you know what else are you into are you into cars like what are your other kind of interests so i i do like cars um i like fashion but my dad was always a huge influence in my life obviously right being around him so much and him taking me up and down the east coast for tournaments and this and that so we spent a lot of time together growing up as a kid but he's always always big on always looking good always okay. looking good 
And then cars, he've always, he's always loved cars, right? So my dad grew up in Puerto Rico. And him and his dad owned a trucking uh, business in Puerto Rico. Okay. So they used to drive 18-wheelers you know, all across the island, delivering goods and stuff like that. So my dad's always enjoyed the sound Hell yeah. of 18-wheelers. Like, till this day, wow. till this day, my dad would sit down on his computer with headphones on. No way. And, yeah, I swear to God. <laughs> and watch YouTube videos on, on <laughs> the sound of the engine of an 18-wheeler. Like, that's how much he's passionate wow. about it. It's amazing, yeah. It's like sleeping with a white noise machine for him. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what he loves that. And, like, you know, being around him as a kid, like, I grew to love the sound of an engine. I'm like, whoa, I like it, you know? Um, he's he he knows his things about cars. He's really into it. Again, he was a truck driver for a long time. But I've always just loved the sound of a of, of a nice sounding oh, engine. Yeah. You know, I've, I always appreciated. So, um, yeah, you know, I've always enjoyed cars. And I remember when I when I first fell in love with a car. I think it was the the BMW M3, mm-hmm. okay. the Mercedes C63. Like Hell I yeah. fell in love with it, right? And I always told myself, one day I'll have one. One day I have one. And actually, I have, it's kind of a funny story. A story full of regret too. Um, so I competed in ADCC this last one, right? Okay. Didn't have a good performance whatsoever, and I chalked that up to, you know, one having really good opponents, never taking anything away, having really good opponents out there. It's the best tournament there is in the world, but there was a little a layoff I had because of COVID. You know, I didn't compete for a couple of years, kind of threw me off my game. But prior to that, I bought myself a C sixty three. Okay. Yeah. So I was driving around a C63. You Big know, problem. Hard, Big problem. You know, I was driving around, you know, I'm, I'm hyped on it. I compete. I lost. And I was like, man, I'm pissed. <laughs> like, I'm pissed. Right. And I'm so crazy. I'm like, I need to punish myself, man. What do I do? <laughs> I sell my car. Living oh, that good life too much, shit. man. It'll get you. I sold my car. I sold my car and I bought uh, like a little Jeep to drive around for a little bit and like a year into the driving the gym, I'm like, what the hell am I doing, man? And that's when I got the car that you guys saw me. Sick. Yeah. But yeah, you know, very nice car, by the way. Thank you, man. Yeah. I, I enjoy it. It's a, it's a fun car, but yeah, I've always enjoyed cars a nice sound to it. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, man. So we have one last thing for you. Yeah. Um, did you tell me you were into gaming a little bit? I am into gaming. Okay. So this is, you're the first to do this new segment. Okay. okay. Have you ever seen the, the grand tour? <laughs> Oh, it's, uh, yes. give, give us one minute. Um, <laughs> let's, so let's restart that. Um, Wait, well, really quick. So yeah. before we get into this next thing, do you have anything you want to plug, any of your own projects? Yeah. So, I mean, everyone can find me on Instagram at jtorsbjj. Um, you guys can also follow my Jiu-Jitsu Academy, Essential Jiu-Jitsu, on Instagram. Um, I you also the just, online class? I also have uh, an online uh, website and an app now. We revamped it. It's really good where basically we film everything that goes on in the gym on a day-to-day basis, and we put it on the on the internet right on, on our website and not just classes but even behind the scenes kind of things too so people get a really good feel of the gym and what goes on inside of the gym cool and that's essential jiu-jitsu online um check it out you guys will really enjoy it awesome man. this is the first of a new segment where we have our guests try to set the fastest possible time on mario kart deluxe 8 so jt torres welcome here press a supposed to be a big gamer let's see, let's see. here we go all right let's go all right, all right, all right. There we go. So there is the ghost. All right, That's so the ghost? That is who you have to is try to Is that the ghost of Elvis? That's the ghost of Elvis. All right. All right, another tip not a lot of people know. Coins actually make you go faster. So 
So if you get 10 coins, you will be at your fastest possible speed. But question for you. Yes. Would that be a bad thing sometimes? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm all gas, no brakes, brother. You also have three mushrooms up I there. I like it. I like it. Coming up Look in these turns. Look at that. Look at that. Huh. Now, what games do you usually play? I'm a huge... Huge Call of Duty player. All right, cool. It's a violent guy. I'm a, uh, dude, <laughs> combat sports, baby. So, as I'm playing this here, I was actually so into Call of Duty that during the the time that we were at home during the pandemic, I bought a gaming PC. Oh, shit. I went all in. All in. Yeah, that's how you know you're serious. Yeah, I got really serious, man. How long has it been since you played around a Mario Kart? Oh, man. I. I, I don't know. It's been years, man. But I got to say, I go back to the Super Nintendo days when I was a kid, man. You're not doing bad. This yeah, right up my good. alley right here, man. Just remember those mushrooms. Out of eye. There you go. Oh, look at that. That's a new little... Yeah. All right, you got one more. One more lap so, around. So we got this. We got this. We got this. We're doing well. Send the bar high here for you guys. Where's Elvis at? Where's the ghost at? Uh, he's he behind I, me somewhere. I think I, I think he's a bit ahead of you. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, JT. Oh, Come on, man. Never get nervous. Finish it up. Finish it strong. Oh my God. It's like I'm back in the finals of ADCC right now, man. <laughs> yeah. All right. See if we can get you under two minutes. Uh, let's go. Let's go. You're close. Look at that, look at that. There you go. Uh, well done, brother. All right, well done. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Awesome right. conversation. We could have done this for hours. Yeah. We're going to actually, I, I would love to have you back, honestly, and talk about a lot yeah. more stuff. I, I got a lot more stories. All man. right, sweet. It's been a pleasure to be here with you guys today. Thank you. So I'm me. Mikey, my brother JoJo. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Uh, follow us at, at JB Bodyworks and uh, stay tuned for the next one, guys.